It's time for truth, a ministry of Truth Family Bible Church in Middleton, Idaho. It's time for truth exists to glorify God through the edification of his saints in our local church and for the benefit of the church around the world. I'm your host, Pastor Danny Steinmeier, and I am joined in studio with my friend and fellow elder at TFBC, Jim Berg. Well, welcome everyone once again to the podcast. We are glad that you have joined us today. This is a just a beautiful time of year. I don't know. It's got to be the, my favorite or close to my favorite. It's almost my favorite because uh, I, I I haven't had a fire yet, so in, in my in my wood stove. So we're getting close to my favorite. But uh, this is a beautiful time of year, and uh, all the all the exciting hunting going on. There's some there's some uh, fun things happening. I got my deer last night, Jim. That is great. So uh, another forky, you know, just but but some tender tender steaks in the freezer here soon, and so uh, looking forward to getting more uh, out there with the kids and stuff. Um, I sadly for Tim, he chose wrong. We split up on the hill, and he went with Grandpa, and uh, Hope went with me, and uh, we were the ones that saw the deer, and so uh, I, I I got the my tag punched for the season, and but I, we also saw some pictures from some other people in our church that. Uh, they didn't get forkies. Um, <laughs> they had some giant elk. So incredible. That's, that's pretty exciting. So um, yeah, looking forward to uh, our time together today. We want to welcome all of you and thank you all for listening wherever you may be and whenever you may be uh, listening to us. Uh, we we are grateful for that. And uh, also just uh, consider uh, if you have any questions, um, please reach out to us, truthfamilybiblechurch at gmail.com. Anything you want us to cover, any feedback, um, uh, glad to receive any of that. Also, uh, consider sharing this type of thing with uh, your social media or friends or family and get the word out. We'd be happy to, um, to have other people blessed and benefited by this content. Before we get into our topic for today on a Christian view of economics, Jim, how are you? You know, I am busy. I've got uh, a ton of things going on, which is good, and then... Also bad, I get a two-week break from Bible study because I've got some other men that are leading. But it's astonishing, Danny, how when you're not regularly studying, and I'm usually really good at this, but I'm just being honest, I, I, I took a break and I, I was distracted with other things. And it's it's amazing to me how quickly my mind turns to selfish thoughts. It, it truly is. And so this is a bit of a confessional that I need to get back into my daily time with God better. And uh, I did that this morning. I went and got a breakfast and... Open God's Word and just spend time by myself, and so it's really good. But it's it's astonishing after years and years and years, it only takes a couple of weeks to really get you out of that. So my encouragement to everyone is, stay plugged into your quiet time, read God's Word, pray, and do that regularly, consistently. Because as soon as you get out of it for even a couple of weeks, it's easy to quickly go down the selfish path. Hmm. Yeah, no, we always have to well, uh, check ourselves and our priorities and keep the main things the main things. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, the opportunity to have really have a bit of a Bible study even here this uh, well this morning for us, yeah. and it might be nighttime for you. I, I did hear Jim. Um, it was it was funny. I've teased about it, but it actually does happen. I, I talked to somebody who said, you know, when I'm having uh, trouble sleeping, sometimes I, I just come out into the family room and I listen to the podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, 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 I pointed out, well, yeah, we are a good cure for uh, insomnia or 
or whichever was the one where you can't sleep, but we'll, we'll, we'll put you right to sleep. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, again, we're continuing in our uh, season two of the podcast, uh, talking about matters of a Christian view of economics, talking about our resources, our, our, our finances, as well as just the, the concepts that we interact with um, in the world and in our, in our daily lives. And the overarching theme for today's episode, after we talked previously about uh, lending and borrowing, uh, today we're going to talk about the heart of money. Um, And the passage we want to open with is uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 in verses 19 to, to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the lesson, really the foundational principle that Jesus is teaching here is the one in verse 21. Your treasure and your heart are inseparable. Another way to put it is what you treasure shows where your heart is. And that's the punchline. That's the lesson. But in verse 19 and also verse 20, Jesus tells us where our hearts are supposed to be and therefore how we think of and pursue treasures in this life. Well, first he says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, that's an interesting statement. For some people, it is highly unspiritual for us to be talking about money or treasure at all in the first place, right? If we're, if we're talking about money, we're talking about uh, things that are not related to heaven. And so uh, that, that shouldn't be our focus. And, um, but yet we find when it comes to the Bible that there's a lot of passages that speak about the ways in which we treat money. And there's lots of, of concepts and passages that we have to deal with. But how do we reconcile those? Because there's passages that speak about saving and preparing for a rainy day or winter like the ants. There's passages that speak about having resources to honor and support your parents in their old age and widowhood. There's passages that speak about the blessings that come from God in material things. Solomon, for instance, was blessed with overwhelming riches and wealth as a direct result of his wisdom that God blessed. Now, I think Solomon's a classic example. He, instead of, when given the option of receiving something from God, riches or wisdom was not his top priority. Excuse me, riches Correct. and possessions and and prestige that was not his top priority. It was wisdom, and God gave him then the the riches on top of that. And the results of the wisdom. That's right. Right. But um. But but we'll be making uh, or talking later about the principal expectation, of course, of leaving your children an inheritance. The Bible talks about that as well. Well, you have to accumulate. You do have to store up treasures if you're going to leave your kids an inheritance, right? So in some sense, and without contradiction, the Bible promotes the value of accumulated wealth. So uh, so much so that, that your money or your wealth is supposed to be greater than your lifetime need for it so that your children pick up where you leave off. So then what does Jesus mean by prohibiting storing up for yourselves treasures on earth? Well, We have an explanation and a contrast. The reason Jesus gives in verse 19 is that earthly treasures are susceptible to decay and theft. He says moths and rust will destroy it and thieves will break in and steal. And it's really not 
it's not whether it's not really about if it's just about they they will it's when but that doesn't solve it because savings and blessings and inheritance are all good things regarding accumulation of wealth and they're not immune from those threats right the contrast is verse 20 instead of pursuing an earthly bank we should be investing in the bank of heaven where we store up treasures there and jesus says that in the heavenly deposit account it is not subject to dis- destruction or rivalry or excuse me or thievery and when you think about it <clears throat> these are two seemingly different systems of value how do you make deposits to your account in heaven what is this eternal currency well, the resolution of the subject is the principle in verse 21. Verse 21 is, is how you think about and resolve the between the two of earthly and heavenly. Totally agree. And Such it, an important concept. And I do yeah. think this gets abused in the church even. You, you know, a lot of people will use this for prosperity gospel. Like you need to be giving everything you have and don't worry about it here. And uh, th- that is a big time abuse. And, and I, I like what you said. I think treasures... So heavenly treasures is a different definition from earthly treasures. And I think you're right. It's heavenly treasures have a value beyond materialism. They have a value beyond the things that we see and touch and feel, um, beyond their material worth, yeah. if that makes any sense. Well, and I, and, and this, we'll get into this here in just a minute, <clears throat> but the idea that we've been talking about quite a bit is the reality that in this life lived in a body— we are united with the spirit and that everything we do in this body and in this life is spiritual. And so part of, uh, part of the point here is that everything that we do and all that we have is a way to actually bank spiritual value treasure, right? right? So even your money is actually a, is, is a spiritual thing. The question is, it really comes down to, what is it being used for? Right. And, is it, and, and when you store money, when you accumulate wealth, when you are rich in the goods of this world, which again, the Bible does not prohibit. Right. It, it, is a pos- it can be a very positive thing. It can be a sign of God's blessing. The, the issue becomes, is that being used and intended and purposed for things that relate to the obedience that God has prescribed in his word. Yep. And actually, as, as you as you do those things materially, as you take care of your elderly, as you leave an inheritance for your children, that's a double reward, if that makes any sense. You're leaving, a, you're leaving an inheritance, but you're being obedient to what God's word says. There is a blessing in that as well. Well, and I didn't, I, I thought you were going to go somewhere else, but I, I liked where I thought you were going to go also, <laughs> which is, which is, when you are leaving an inheritance for your children in honoring God's principle and directive in Scripture, you also are leaving, you actually are making a deposit in the treasures that are in heaven. Right. right? You're, you actually are, are building reward. It's a double reward. It's a double reward. It's, yeah. a, it's a reward right. for them. Right. And it's a reward in eternity for you for being obedient. Right. There's that. Yeah. That's what. You, but there's also there's also a temporal one too. Oh yeah. For, absolutely. In, in the sense of when you when you serve other people, <clears throat> we'll talk about that in just a minute. When you serve other people with your earthly goods, you are also getting a blessing for yourself in this life. Right. 
but there's but it's also banking a, a deposit of treasure in heaven is what uh, is what's going on as well and and, and so verse 21 it, it is about the matter of the heart and the point is about storing up treasure on earth it, it is related to really your goals your desires your affections your ambitions your thoughts your strategies all are all earthly but when you are dedicated in your heart to getting as much things, as much prestige, as much wealth and pleasure as you can from physical things, then you are destined to be eternally disappointed. If your inner man is simply in the pursuit of wealth, you are setting yourself up for failure. Not only can it t- all be taken from you in a moment in this life, and Jim, you talk about that all the time, right? Like You are seeking to be wise with your finances, you seek to be, um, you know, uh, considerate of all the different things and principles that God has for us, but acknowledging that at any moment in his sovereignty and providence, it could all be taken away. Whether you're the one taken away <laughs> or whether or whether those things are taken away. And this is a big one. This is a big area. You know, 16 out of 38 Jesus's parables dealt with money and possessions. And so, you know, it is an important topic in scripture. And it really is what you said. It goes to your heart. I mean, money isn't the root of evil. It's the love of money that it's, is the root of it's evil. It's the condition First of your heart is the root of evil, right? right? Exactly. That's and that's 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 such an important concept. And we've got to constantly be checking our heart. Right. Because the reality is when a poor man dies and when a rich man dies, they enter eternity with the same amount of earthly treasure. Right. And that is zero. Yep. <clears throat> so then Jesus' point is not that having earthly treasure is bad, but it is bad if your heart is in love with your possessions. And Jesus taught in Luke 12, verse 15, it says, Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Because really, your bank account isn't you. Your house, your car, your guns, your four-wheelers, your clothes, your jewelry, whatever it is, that isn't you. However, it may show where you are. It may show where your heart is. And so how we are postured in our hearts towards money is extremely important, and that's what Jesus is getting at. And there's, uh, like you said, uh, even in his, his parables, he's seeking to teach spiritual tr- truth in relating it to economic ideas right. and realities. So then how is it that we can live in wealthy America? How is it that we can have the kinds and amounts of food that we have? How is it that we can have cars and houses, land, money, lots of stuff, and not be the kind of person that Jesus is warning us about? Well, it's about, it's about knowing and loving the God who owns the heavenly bank. And it's about believing so much in his business and in his mission and from your heart desiring to invest in his eternal enterprise. So then what does it mean to to store up for yourself treasure in heaven? How can you be rich in heaven's economy? Well, first, it's being willing to lose everything here. It really is. Luke 14, 33, so then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. Jesus here confronts others, and he tells them, uh, if they want to follow him, sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. 
Is the issue that he wants everyone who follows him to take a vow of poverty? No, the issue is he was identifying and diagnosing the reality that we have a a problem in our humanity is that we love this world, which means the love of the Father is not in you if that's what you're in love with. We love our stuff, and it it is a significant idol in our hearts. And if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to be willing to give up all in order to receive the greatest gift. And why is that? Because Jesus Christ wants to be Lord of your finances. Why? Because the Bible talks about it over and over and over again. Right. For anyone that says the Bible doesn't talk about the economy or economics is, is just sheer foolishness. So. so that means that if the Lord wants to take every cent that you have, are you willing to say here i am lord right uh i you know the lord gives and the lord takes away right blessed be the name of the lord that's why job is such an important book in the bible right and it can happen it's important to understand that it can happen but you and i talk about this god's ordinary means of sanctification his ordinary means of our growth is or always a little by little it's always this incremental growth it's you know he's going to remove the the evil people out of the land little by little, mm. like that's in Exodus. And, and, and it's the same in finances. It's the exact same thing in finance. A wise man saves for the future. So if you're following biblical principles, you're not spending it all and you're saving a little at a time. Money grows little by little. It's just, that's his ordinary means. And can it happen? Can he take everything away? He certainly can. And if he does do that, there's a very good reason for it, right? It's to glorify him. That reminds me. Yeah. That reminds me. Uh, let's put a pin in in this too to make sure we need to do an episode on get rich quick schemes that the Bible talks against. Yep. Um, we should probably do an episode on pyramid schemes. Right. We should probably do uh, and maybe I don't know if this is all one episode or whatever. And then also on gambling. I don't think we had this in our list of stuff, mm. but these are things that the Bible talks about, which which relate to issues of of greed and not seeking the principles related to. Ordinary means of small obediences, of, of, of developing things through your labor, through your work, through honesty, and through uh, industry that, that the Lord then can bless. Now, he can bless in a, a large amount in a short amount of time, right. but there are shortcuts that people seek to take to get around or, or, or to manipulate or to get for themselves something that they, that they believe is, is uh, a shortcut around God's ordinary means. Diligent Sweet, hands yeah. bring wealth, Proverbs 10.4. It's the idea of you actually have to apply it. Can God bless you abundantly? Of course right. he can. Can he take it away? Of course he can. So, But in that spiritual reality, uh, Jesus clearly says that you have to have a disposition towards possessions, right. a disposition towards money that is not selling your soul, in essence, because you're willing to actually repudiate it. You're willing to actually go to the poorhouse for Christ. You're actually willing to give up your, and actually this way early in chapter 14 of Luke, Jesus says that you have to be willing to even to hate your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, and even your own life. You have to be willing to say, you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. We'll sing that song, right? We'll, we'll, we'll sing that line and it sounds so spiritual, but is that truly the condition of our hearts with regard to our possessions? And I think as all of us at various times, because we're sinners, but as Christians, we need to check our hearts and make sure that we have the right uh, disposition towards God and the things that he has blessed us with. 
and and be willing to say, I will give it all up if that's what God requires of me to have salvation and and, and the the saving um, work of Christ applied to me. And so he has to be first. That's why you said, Jim, he wants to be Lord of your finances. Right. He wants to be Lord of everything. Right. And when we say, no, I want to be Lord of this, um, because my heart longs for lordship over my possessions, uh, that is not a posture of salvation. That's not a posture of obedience wherein treasures are being invested in a heavenly bank account, if you will. And lesson coming. <laughs> when you do that, when you hold on to it, here comes like, the lesson. Like, stand back from that guy. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Because uh, calamity uh, exactly. very well may be right around the corner. Yeah, and when, when, when we do the episode on pyramid schemes, guys, get ready, because I have a real affinity against pyramid schemes, so you're going to hear Bad Jim come out when we do that episode. I absolutely loathe those things. You know, I really like Bad Vody, and I'm sure I'll like <laughs> Bad Jim, so we'll, uh, we'll look forward to that. But uh, it just reminded me that those are those are important things that when we talk about the the ordinary yeah. means, but also we talk about the uh, inappropriate means right. of, of looking at uh, our finances and the shortcuts. Uh, second here, w- once you have laid hold of Christ by faith from your heart, there is a new then orientation toward this world and the things in it. It doesn't have the same allure. It doesn't have the same magnetism towards your heart as it did. And so it changes the, the orientation of your life and your stuff. We talked about contentment. It actually brings right. an enormous level of contentment that you don't need any of that stuff. You you look at it and you're almost overwhelmed. I remember when Jack came back from Africa, he went to Zimbabwe and he came back and he's 14, 15 year old and he's a big kid, you know, cause he's like his dad. And we went into a target or something and he was walking behind me and I looked back and he had tears in his eyes and I was like, Jack, what's wrong? And he said, all this stuff. And I said, trip paid for. Like, you know, he, he completely understood. We have so much stuff in America and you don't need any of it. And, and the way it, it's all about that heart approach to it. Right. Um, and we'll get into the applications here in, in just a minute. Yeah. But uh, what do you invest here for eternity? Well, uh, therefore you should be giving all of your money to missions. Is that the only thing that is important here? Well, it's a it's a big part, guys, and it's a it's an important element that we are investing in the the work of the kingdom and the spreading of the gospel and the work of the ministry and the again rem- reminder, uh, don't forget that the great commission is disciple making. First, uh, it's disciple making, and so it isn't just it, it's not just converts. It's not just, um, but it, it but it includes converts. You have to have a convert so that you can make a disciple. Right. Uh, all that type of stuff. But uh, we what we want to talk about, what we want to highlight one of the one of the important principles of the Reformation is the dignity and the value that God places in the ordinary man and the ordinary woman in ordinary work. And I think that. Ordinary man and ordinary job is extraordinary. That's right. They are God-designed, and they need to be the best at what they do in the way that they're gifted as the plumber or whatever they are. And we see all the teaching in the in the New Testament and the value of, of producing things. And again, we've separated we've separated the the earth from from spiritual things. Right. And and so we we have to have, I think, an appropriate balance. That um, the only thing that you can possibly do to in, to invest in eternity is make sure you give your money to the church and give your money to missions. Uh, no, 
That is not the only way in which you store up treasures in heaven. Again, I'm, I'm, I want to make it broader that everything you do with all of your possessions is a way for you to store up treasure. And it's not that... Uh, so for instance, I'll just go there right now. We've had uh, just instances recently in our church where um, it related to a family in our church needing some appliances. And there were people in our church that sought to meet their needs in an appliance. This was not money that went through the church. This was not money that went uh, to a foreign mission field. This was, this was helping a family to meet their daily needs for their, for their family. And what it represented to me was an attitude and approach of, of people in our church who said, my resources come from the Lord they belong to him, and my aim is to be a blessing to his God's people, right? And and when you're talking about appliances, that's not a spiritual thing, is it, Jim? Hundred percent, hundred percent, it is. Hundred percent, it is. Totally, everything is spiritual, guys. Everything has a spiritual um, value and relationship. And so when when someone got some new appliances. Um, treasure was built in heaven, in heaven, totally, because it was where their hearts were. It's because there was, it's where they valued things because they didn't va- hold on to their stuff. To see, that's their problem, uh, or that's someone else's responsibility. Right. No, this was this was an opportunity to show love to say my resources are belong to the to God and to the, for the building of His kingdom among His people, and uh, and and this is a way to be a blessing. And um, so. I, the issue is where your heart really And is. I think about the parable of the knock on the door at night and, oh, we'll pray for you. You know what I mean? That's right. the one that comes to mind. And and this is even the benevolence. I, I'm not a big benevolence fun guy. I, we have one and it's important and I understand the need for it. But benevolence happens family to family as well. Does that make sense? Like that's using what you've been given in a quiet way, which is also biblical, you know, such that you're accomplishing it with nobody knowing it. it the reason why you're challenged with that is because we have in our society today the government has taken the form of the benevolence fund right which is you send it off to a central uh, a central location and they distribute it right in um in the ways that they see fit and i i'm not equating the church's benevolence fund to that so don't get me wrong but what you're what you're talking about is you're you're seeing look there is gr- greater value in life to life, person to person, individual to individual, family to family, uh, living life together and help and just just helping each other. If you see a need and you have, just do it. Just meet meet it. Just do it. Right, 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 right. God's been good. Just do it. Right. You don't need to put a request in form A B to the benevolence committee, and that's what I'm getting at. That's exactly what you. I see at. a need for you. it. I understand, but it's like, man, let's just do it. Right. So. As because a lot of that has to do with. Um, some people would see it. Look, I have an obligation to give a portion of my of my income to the ministry of the local church, to so supporting the ministries. Right. That's that's, but that's that's an obligation, and part of that obligation is proportioned to ministries such as benevolence. However, it's that's a that's a it's just more of a distant thing. Right. It's close to home 
when it's life to life, person to person, I'm going to show up at your house or we're going to go to the store and we're going to shop for that appliance together. And we're going to, we're going to do this together. That, talk about the love and the bond that is, that grow, the gratitude, the personal gratitude, as well as the, the gratefulness that, that is given to God for the sake of the body meeting each other's needs. And look, you, you have to, this is another investment. It's an investment of our time. I know that's not what we're talking about here today, but the reality is, is, is if you're so prioritized that you don't have time to know what's going on in the body and in your church family's life, you won't even see the opportunity for those appliances. And so, you know, those blessings come from prioritizing time to go over and just have dinner with a family. It prioritizes talking to people at church. Right. Because that's where needs were discovered. Right. Right. It talked about talking about life together and spending time then you become aware and then you can pray and then you can figure, determine, is the Lord leading me to play a role in that? And right. how do I treat my own resources? If we're all off doing our own thing, only concerned about ourselves, obviously we are, we preach and teach and value personal responsibility. That's not that, that's not it at all. But in taking personal responsibility, how is it that I can be building up treasures in heaven because of where my heart is? Uh, is my heart with the things of God and the people of God, and that's that's the issue. And now this has implications for borrowing and lending. Uh, we talk, so we've obviously coming off of a couple of episodes related to that. Where is your heart, and how does that relate to your decisions towards extending yourself? We talked about going into debt is a form of slavery. The 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 borrower is slave to the lender. That is truth. So if you're going to enter into that, is it of necessity? And, and that's okay. The Bible does not prohibit that um, entirely. The issue is, um, is are you do, are you, do you not really need to, but your heart is not in the right place so that now you are making decisions um, outside of God's plans and principles and purposes that uh, overextend you and get you into, get you into trouble, wherein treasure is being sought after from the earth and not being trusted entrusted to the Lord. Yeah, I can honestly say in every career decision that I made, not one of them was about money. I mean, even in the latest two investments that I've made here recently, neither of them are about making money. Now, look, once you're into a business, my objective is to honor God and do the best that I can and see what he does with it. But the reality is, is that your intention going in, if it's to make money, you should really check yourself. You should really see is money now your lord. So those those are yeah, those are important questions to ask and and heart checkups to to take. Another thing is when we're talking sometimes we're talking about money, but um it's really everything. It comes down to your possessions. And uh, I just I I'm just encouraged and, and grateful to the Lord. There's a, a couple of families that I'm think have in mind in our church right now. Uh, some of some of them have been longer. I won't name names just um, for the sake of of their earthly reward or sorry, heavenly reward. And uh, but what I what they exude is these things in life were gifted to us from God. These things are we we see the providential hand of God in leading us to this position in our lives and the things that we have, whether it's their homes, whether it's their four wheelers, whether it's their cars, whatever it, whatever it is, um, they want to be available and useful to other people. And, uh, you know, one of, one of uh, the people I have in mind, you know, talks about, 
uh, listen, all of this belongs to God, so if you have more need of it than I do, then you can have it. Right? That, that's just the approach. You can borrow it. You can, uh, you can have it if you need it. But this really is not my stuff. This is God's stuff. And what a wonderful freeing approach and demonstration of a heart that says, um, this is just stuff, and when I leave, this all, all this stuff stays, but God has given it to me to steward and to be useful to his people and to his kingdom, and we want, to be, um, we want it to be held loosely in our hands so that it can be used by God in the lives of others. What do you also, what do you think, Jim, about the heart that, that is generous then? Right when when you when you have a perspective and you have a, a heart that says uh, this has come from God, this belongs to Him, and He's asked me to be a steward. What does that mean to generosity? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it opens that up. You you see people grow in that area of being more generous as they grow in understanding God is in control of everything. Because not only are you following biblical principles, but you're we talked about this all of a sudden your needs go way down. Like you're not looking, you're not seeking that next thing. And what that does is it makes those things, that that funds available for you to be generous to others. And God has a way of bringing those things into your life in a very timely manner. Yeah. And we've talked about this, you know, um, too much has been given, much is expected. The reality is, is as you grow in sanctification by his normal means in being generous, He's going to provide bigger and bigger opportunities to you. It just it's it's astonishing how that works, and you know some people will say that there's a mystery in that, and there is. There's a mystery in God in that, but the truth is, is He's always there providing. And look how generous He is to us. That's that's the thing that we miss is we look at oh we're generous in giving some of what we have, like it doesn't even enter the benchmark of what God did for us. Well, when we think of God being pleased to bless us with all the things that we enjoy in this world, um, when you are generous, generous towards someone else, how much pleasure do we do we get when we see the joy and the smile and the gratitude and the value that is then placed uh, in in giving away that you actually. It, it almost gets kind of chuckled at, right? It's better to give than to receive, that, that old you know, proverbial line. But the reality is, it's true. It right? is. Because there is, uh, not only are you blessing someone else, but you receive a blessing back. You don't get to steal our blessings by not accepting the generosity. Right. So uh, this has implications for greediness and the, the, the hoarding uh, the mentality, those types of things. And uh, the scripture warns us uh, about the love of money and the love of the world. Uh, those are important uh, implications of this concept as well. Issues of handling loss. I, I think this is one that, that came to mind. You think of, uh, look, sometimes Christian homes are also in the path of a tornado, right? Or uh, I think of the Northridge earthquake in California. The whole area shook and people's homes and properties were damaged, and uh, there were believers that lost their homes as well. And the point is, is that uh, when you understand that um, the Lord gives and the Lord may take away, uh, we can still bless the Lord if we have our commitment and love for him rightly placed. If our heart is in heaven with him, and that's where our treasure is, then earthly stuff can be taken away, and you're not 
devastated. Yeah, I would say your ability to handle that loss is so much greater when you're in a position where you know this is God's and he has chosen this, so there must be a purpose in it. You may not see it today, but in a period of time, I believe God reveals to you what his purpose was in that. Because scripture indicates that, that God uses circumstances, he uses our things, he uses... Um, all kinds of things, to test our faith, to show its truthfulness, its reality, its strength, uh, whether or not it's wood, hay, or stubble, or whether it's uh, gold and precious metals. Uh, we, he, he uses circumstances, and that's what we find with, with, with Job. God allowed him to be sifted. He allowed him to undergo loss in order that it might be revealed who his love truly is. It is in God, and uh, and then ultimately God blesses abund- far more abundantly beyond that. See, and not only did he bless Job at the end, but Job was prepared for that blessing. Like because Job had gone through that, he was now in a capacity to be responsible with what God now blessed him with, which was far greater than what he had before. Yeah, you think Job had a different perspective when he got the second round of of good stuff? Right, held it even looser. Right, <laughs> right, and and more and more thankful. Right, and more thankful. And more thankful. Right, right. Uh, another element that is an interesting one to me. It's a concept that has kind of come around in my thinking. I don't know, probably in the last year when I heard Toby Sumter have a podcast on or or an article. I think it was probably what it was on this subject. And we've already mentioned the idea of inheritance a little bit earlier, uh, and this is an interesting one. What are we what are we doing with our lives as our families? Uh, am I building the kingdom of the Steinmeiers? No. Not really. Right. Uh, now that's not to wipe out and to level out um and to destroy the concept of families and legacies and um heritage. That's that's not that what I'm getting at. But ultimately each believing family is not building our legacy. We're building the kingdom of God. Through the name Steinmeier. Right. That's the difference. Right. It's it's what is the end result of that. But the point is, is that all of the resources, all the things that God has given me, if they are all his resources, then it all is to be used for the furtherance of his mission, of his work. Right. And so when it comes to, how does this relate to inheritance? Well, if we're building the kingdom of God and not our personal kingdom, these are God's resources. We do not idolize our children, and we do. And the Bible does not teach, and there's example after example of the. We it does not teach the equality of outcome. Just because you're born into my and Jacob and Esau is the classic example, twins. And Jim, somebody got an inheritance and someone didn't. Someone got the birthright. Someone didn't. Someone had the opportunity. And yeah, he did. He got stew. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> he considered it. He considered it lightly. Right. Um, the scripture speaks to the reality that he sold it for a a, a bowl of pottage. He, uh, but the but the point was it wasn't just everybody got the same. Everybody gets equal, and that's our that's, that's right. our ordinary view of inheritance. That if you happen to have been genetically connected closely to me by way of 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 being part of whether it's adoption or whatever too but but in terms of being a part of this particular name then 
the all of my resources are distributed equally among everybody. Yeah, four children, twenty five percent each. Twenty five percent each, yeah. right? No. And first off, I, I think this concept of an inheritance is lost in our current time. I think that the number of people that actually thoughtfully think through leaving an inheritance for God's purpose is lost. It's it's more of a an afterthought as you're as you're nearing death. That you fill out an inheritance form and you put 25, 25, 25, 25. I think that is that is much more the norm than thinking about it when you're 40 or 50 and being intentional about what you're doing. And I would even say modifying it as you go. Like yeah. as you learn your children and you learn their capacity, you learn who's gifted and what and what's good for them and what's bad for them. Yeah. And and I really like what you just said there, the idea of thinking about it. And, and you can think about it in relationship to individual children, I, I've I've been wrestling with it actually for years, as uh, I've seen some people, um, and actually, actually just the last couple of days talking about a situation of an elderly rancher down in the um, down in the Oahe's, not necessarily having someone to, um, so someone who even wants the inheritance of the land. I don't want to work it. I'd, and I've been seeing this in some of these uh, dairy families, these people that build, you know, work and work hard and develop, uh, whether it's a farm, a ranch, or a, a dairy, and um, and yet it it actually will disintegrate and dissolve and and go away and either be turned into nothing, just completely, uh, it could be sold to some big company, yeah, as opposed to the ability of it to be passed down. Because uh, what happens is, uh, I've seen this, where let's say if a, a family with a farm has three children, but two of the children don't want anything to do with the farm, but the one does. But how do you distribute the inheritance? Because if the one wants the farm to keep the land, uh, well, it's hard because we can't, if we just give it to him, then there isn't enough. For, well, that's part of the planning is perhaps that we do find a way that there is an inheritance in a different way for the other two than for but uh, but for the one maybe he does find a way that he is able uh, there's creativity to be had here no and i think that's does, does that make sense that's the key danny yeah it's understanding each of those children in a way that you know what is what you believe is best for them look today the church completely spiritualizes this right our inheritance is a spiritual inheritance like that's all they put on it there's there's no intentionality of planning for a true inheritance, which is the true meaning of the scripture in this case. It's Proverbs, right? So it, it says leave an inheritance. It means that. <laughs> well, and we see this, we saw this as an important concept for Israel. Right. We, we, but we see this as, look, if the Lord has blessed me with resources and I want to be a good steward, I want to be a good investor, I want to take what I've received and I want to grow it even more so that we can pass that on. And, and again, as we're training our children, hopefully too, to see the resources as God's resources, that this is kingdom finances, this is kingdom resources. These are meant for, for to be used for the obedience of Christ to further his purposes in the earth. And as they get older, so, so your, your children are still in the house, but even as they get older, Danny, we're constantly, not constantly, but we are talking about it regularly such that they know what this looks like and what those adjustments make, and it changes their lives. It changes their lives now. You know, we talk about some of the struggles that Jack has in his job and some of the worldly challenges there. He knows confidently that he can walk away and just work. That gives him the ability to put lordship first and 
he does that because he knows. And, and that's such an important concept that, that we need to build into our children, not only as they're in our household, but even as they're out, you're, you're still making adjustments to this. You're still going, here's what we're thinking about and here's what we're doing. And here's why it's important. Yeah. We want our children to have a freedom principled in the Lordship of Christ. Right. So the more free you can be to be the most obedient that you can be, to be the most responsive to what God would lead you to. Um, Again, I I mentioned in a previous episode, right, the idea of some guys are so overextended in debt and they have such a bad view of money that they can't go to the mission field or go into the pastor because they've got all this debt or they can't get married because... They, they've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of student loans or whatever that looks like. And, and, but the, the point here in, in relationship to inheritance is we want to leave to our children that which sets them up for success for the sake of honoring the Lord and passing the baton so that it's not, so not the, so that it stops, but so that it goes better. And that's my point is you're communicating that to them in a way as you're building it, as yeah. God is blessing you, you're, you're building it in a way that they are growing in understanding of it so that they A, know what's coming and B, know where they need to grow and C, what that means for their life as they move forward. So important. And you say what that means though, Jim, is that if we have children who do, who deny, the, deny the faith, who walk away, who um, reject the gospel, what does that mean? Yeah, I'm going to make you say it. They get nothing. I they mean, get that's, nothing. That's exactly right. That, Why? So, so, because that would be unwise of me as a steward in using what God has given me for his kingdom. Those are God's resources. That person if you is, say, I'm no, I don't want to use this for God. I want to use this for me. Well, why would I give that to you then? Right. That person is incapable of building the kingdom because right. he's not for the kingdom. As this is, this, that's, the, that's the principle. That's the concept that... Toby Sumter rocked my mind with. I was like, wait a minute. I think you're right. And that's what that's part of what I what I was pointing to related to Jacob and Esau, right? One is taking the covenant line and it is going forward with it. The other one is going to be a thorn in our side for the rest of our lives. So I told you about this. We're not going to give him the the inheritance. Yeah, I had a relative die, and it was one of those, you know, 10, 10, 10, 10 to all the cousins and mm-hmm. nephews and we were in that 10 and I have no need for that. Like I am blessed beyond measure. So I have no need for that. But every one of those were unbelievers. So I took it. So you bet you take that. I took it. That is a responsible thing to do is to take it and then use it purposefully. That's right. That's right. So I hope that this is just helping you as the listener to think through this concept. I don't think we've solved everything here today. Cause I think, like I said, I think there are things that we need to think about creatively and responsibly. Um, and and, I, and when we say that um, if your child is not a professing believer, um, that, that what, I'm, what we're not talking about is that you are the judge entirely of their salvation if they are professing, but they've got leaks, right? They've got uh, immaturities. That's not the same thing. I, I, I would not, I would not say. Even there though, you want to be wise with what you give them. You don't want to, right. you don't want to put them into a position where they're going to be tempted to Te- sin. I was going to say tempted, right? So. Yeah. It's in their immaturity. In their immaturity. So th- this is, this points to, this has to be, this is not just, I filled this paper out once never to be uh, looked at ever again and someone will take care of it after I die. You're actually uh, thinking and managing this process and preparing for your demise, uh, whatever that might look like, and um, and and 
being thoughtful and intentional about this the whole way. Yeah, there's no retiring from work and there's no retiring from parenting. Well, that's a future concept that we'll be talking about again here soon. But I hope that this this is uh, helpful for you. I don't think this is something to be used as a club. Mm-mm. If you don't do this, then you're getting nothing. I, I, I don't think that's the way you approach it at all. Uh, but the but it is it should be something that you identify and recognize and preach to your family. I belong to God. Right. My heart is with Him. Right. And if I have nothing, I'm still fine and I'm still with Him. But if He has blessed me and He's given me resources that um, outlive me then I want to make sure that my resources go to my children in such a way, or even you can include other ministries too, but it does need to include your children who are, who are believers. You are to leave something to them so that they can be put in a positive position. And they should know that they, that got, that, you know, mom and dad are trying to put me in a better position than they were so that I can honor the Lord and carry on that legacy, not the legacy entirely just of our family, but the legacy of Christ in the world as we glorify him. Yeah, and I think that lifts God up into a super high lordship position. You, you're saying, I'm putting him first in everything, and it's not it's not the amount. Like, that's Correct. that's the key. Like, I'm a, I, I consider myself a first generation, and so I'm building something new. That's the way that I look at it. And so I want to leave you know, the right amount, the responsible amount to each child and, and other ministries. Someone might get, be given the house while someone else might be given the money. Right. And be like, because I think that's better for you. Right. Because you can, you can do that. And that's where there is freedom. Um, but we think that everything has to be liquidated or different stuff like that. I just think that there's way more thought that can be put into this and, 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 and just be acknowledging um, how is this going to be better used for the sake of treasure that's heavenly, that's eternal, than just simply stuff that's going to be moth-eaten and stolen by the pagans? Looking at it matters who you marry. Like who you marry impacts those decisions. Is is as you're a father looking at your children, who they marry really matters because they're going to influence them, and they should. Mm-hmm. So, but if you marry poorly. It's going to influence it, right? You've got to make those wise decisions. That's a good point. That's a good point. All, all, all those things relate to um, how you think about and distribute your resources stewarded to you uh, by God for the sake of His work. Yep. And uh, that's where that's the difference between uh, where your heart is and what it is that um, relates to the kingdom of God in eternity. Well, this has been a good conversation. Um, more principles and thoughts about c- Christianity and uh, and government, not government, but in terms of economics. So we're looking forward to more subjects, more topics uh, in this light. We hope that this has been a, a blessing for you. But that's all the time that we have for Truth Today. We want to thank you for joining us. Until next time, we hope that you will grow in your love and your commitment to Christ and his church. As we are sanctified in the truth, God's word is truth.